My friend Jared and I were flying down a road. When I say flying down a road, we were in a car moving at a pace that we should not have been moving. The road was called Smiley Heights Drive. We were driving past very lavish mansions, million-dollar homes in Redlands, California. And right on our tail was a car full of individuals that did not have our best interest in mind. We were trying to get away from these individuals and they were trying to catch us and we were weaving around cars going slower than us. We were running stop signs. We were making uh, uh, irrational and, and, and radical turns left and right trying to ditch this car behind us. Jared was, was in the driver's seat and I was in the passenger seat and I was terrified out of my mind. I was terrified that these guys would catch us and we would get beat up. I was terrified that we would crash and maybe die. I was terrified of the police pulling us over. Yes, Jared would be the one for reckless driving, but neither of us were in a state that I would have found that the police would have been too happy with us. And I was also terrified that any of the three previously mentioned would notify my dad of what was going on. And so I did what people do when they are in desperate situations. I began to cry out to God. I didn't cry out, Jesus, I made some huge mistakes. Save me from my sins. Or Jesus, I, I understand that I'm in this position that I am and I ask your forgiveness, Lord, and whatever happens, I just ask you to save me. No, that was not my prayer at all. My prayer was, Jesus, save me from pain, save me from death, save me from arrest. Those were my petitions. Not save me, I'm a sinner. Not save me, I need you. Save me from pain, save me from death, save me from arrest. Now, so you're not wondering the rest of the sermon what happened. I made it, just in case you didn't realize that. I, I'm here, and we got away running a four-way stop sign near Redlands Community Hospital for those of you that are familiar with the area. But I don't want to focus on necessarily that, but what I want to focus on to start this sermon is the manner and the motive of my prayers. In this crisis that I was in in that moment, my prayer was focused very much on my physical well-being, my physical protection, it was dealing with the terror that I was experiencing in that moment. We are looking in this series at the words that Jesus spoke from the cross. And in just a moment, we're going to look at the second phrase, the second set of words that Jesus spoke from the cross, which is found in Luke chapter 23. But before we get to Jesus' words, I want us to take just a moment talking about the two requests, because there were actually two requests that came on the cross, one from one criminal and one from the other. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 23 and verse 39 that, the, that one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus and said to him, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. He was angry and he wanted Jesus to save them. But the salvation that, that this criminal wanted was not salvation in his life from his sins or from his, from his choices, but, but he wanted salvation from the cross, the predicament that he was in. 
I think of my prayer in that car over 25 years ago when I was with my friend Jared. And I think about that prayer being more along the lines of the prayer of the first criminal. It was a desperation prayer. For me, it was out of terror. For the criminal, it, was, it seemed to be out of anger and frustration. It was a prayer that was necessitated by my own poor choices and my, my own decisions. It was a prayer that wasn't focused on the wrong that I had done, but was rather focused on just sparing me from the consequences of what I had done. Does God work within prayers like this? I believe sometimes he does. Only God knows when and where. But, but are these the prayers, the primary prayers that we should be praying in our times of greatest crisis? And as we mature as Christians, as we grow as Christians, shouldn't our prayers move more away from, from just our physical needs and our, and our physical desires to have things change to the deeper spiritual issues. God wants us to move to another level of prayer, another type of request. And that type of request we see modeled in the criminal, the second criminal on the cross. In Luke chapter 23, verses 40 and 41, the Bible tells us, but the other criminal rebuked him. He rebuked the first criminal. And he said, don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds, what our actions, what our sins deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. I wish when I had prayed that prayer many, many years ago in that car, that my prayer was more like the prayer of the second criminal. It probably would have saved me a few more years of hurt and pain and suffering before I finally realized that I needed my Jesus. But what this criminal here is doing, this criminal is confessing his sins. He says, we are getting what we deserve. He's acknowledging that he has done wrong and we are getting what we deserve. Lord, I know I'm in this position because of my sin and my sin alone. And Lord, I ask you to be with me. I wish that had been my prayer. The criminal continues, though, in verse 42. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. We're getting what we deserved. I'm a sinner, but Jesus, I'm coming to you, and I'm saying, remember me when you come in your kingdom. The criminal has now done two things that are key, that are vital for all of our relationships with Jesus Christ. He has acknowledged his sin. My deeds are what brought me here. He's recognized the consequences of his sins. And in verse 42, he does something that no one else seems to be doing around that cross. He acknowledges Jesus as Lord. He acknowledges Jesus as Lord. He recognizes that Jesus is a king. They put a sign above Jesus that, that said, King of the Jews, mocking him. But this man believes that that is a statement of prophetic truth, that he is a king. He also understands that, that Jesus' kingdom is, is not of this world. He says, when you come in your kingdom, remember me. Not one word that is spoken by the second criminal has anything to do with asking Jesus to remove him from his current circumstances or situation. 
before I move to the words of Jesus, which really are the, the words of the hero of the story, I want us to pause and think about how we pray in the midst of crisis, in the midst of our greatest challenges and our greatest struggles. Whether those crises are caused by ourselves and our own choosing or whether they are like COVID-19, which is something that came upon us without choice or without our personal action. But either way, which prayer do we want to be focusing on when we're praying to Jesus? Are we, are we praying only for our physical state? Are we praying only for our economic state? Are we praying only for our emotional state? Not wrong prayers, but should they be our focus? Or are we praying about the deeper things, the spiritual things? Lord, teach me to trust. Teach me, as the lady sang, how to, how to be still in my soul in the midst of the storm. And most of all, are we praying, Jesus, in all of this, save me. Keep me close to you. I want to tell you, the former prayer may give you temporal relief. But the latter prayer can carry you through any crisis and struggle in your life. Now I want to be careful or sensitive how I say this because I think it is important for us to pray about every aspect, every aspect of our lives. When we're going through challenges, we should be praying. When we're going through difficulties, we should be praying and asking Jesus to, to help us with those struggles and those challenges. After all, Jesus said, you have not because you ask, ask not. So Jesus wants us to be praying uh, and, and seeking his help in our challenges and in our struggles. But, but I want to say this, that, that I've recognized that in my own life, in my own Christian journey, that the longer I am a Christian, the less I say, Jesus, save me from this or from that. And the more I find myself praying, Jesus, save me through this. Jesus, save me in the midst of this challenge. Jesus, teach me to be more like you as I bear this cross. The first criminal desperately appeals for Jesus to take him off the cross. The second criminal doesn't say anything about that. He simply says, when this is all done, and what he means by that is basically when, when I've lost my life, Jesus, when you come back, will you remember me? But then we come to the real beauty of the story. The real beauty of the story, because we pray and all our prayers are faulty in one way or another. But, but the real beauty of the story is what comes next. He said, Jesus, when you come back in your kingdom, will you remember me? This is an audacious request from a criminal, someone who has acknowledged his guilt. The word criminal in the Greek comes from, from two different words. It means one evil, and the second word means works. So it's one who does evil works. Here is a criminal who has done evil works, and he's saying, you, king of the universe, Jesus, who I know you are the one who saves Remember me. Remember me, the one who does evil works. 
And without hesitation, Ellen White wrote in The Desire of Ages, a response comes from the sinner cross. Without hesitation, this soft and this melodious voice, full of passion and full of, full of love, and most of all, full of power, says, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. These words are so beautiful. I am so sad. I am so sad that we are so familiar with these words because oftentimes the more familiar we are with something, the less we appreciate it. These words are so beautiful. Truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. If we weren't so familiar with this text, we might not miss the power of it. And I'm so sad that, that, that this text is almost never talked about within my faith community unless it's being used to argue or to explain what happens when people die, to prove a specific doctrine. Because again, we're missing the power and the point of this text when that's all we focus on. Jesus begins his statement in verse 43. He says, truly or surely or assuredly. That one word right there is so amazing. It is so beautiful. I wish we didn't translate this from the Greek. Because in the Greek, this word is the Greek word, amen. The Greek word, amen. This criminal, this doer of evil deeds, this evil worker says, Jesus, remember me when you come. And without hesitation, Jesus says, amen. Amen. Now, you might not get what that means. I mean, it gives me chills when I, when I hear that, that, that the man from the sinner cross, when this sinner says, remember me, says, amen. This man who can do nothing to save himself, this man who can't show Jesus he is sincere, this man who can't say, let me off this cross, Jesus, and I'll prove to you that I am loyal. All he can do is say, Jesus, remember me. And Jesus' immediate response is, amen. Just so you know, amen means so be it. It's done. It's complete. The sinner, Jesus, save me. Amen. Immediately, it's done. It's amazing. It's so beautiful. The criminal cries out, give me Jesus. And Jesus cries back, I'm yours. Without hesitation. Beautiful. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. Jesus could have just told this young man, and I say young man, I picture in my mind a young man, and all the pictures that we had in Sabbath school growing up, there were young men hanging on the cross. Maybe he was an old man. I don't know. I hope so, because us old men need Jesus just as much. And I know I'm not that old, but I'm getting grayer. I see it every day. Jesus could have said, you're saved, and then just left it at that. I've heard people say, you know what, Jesus, I don't care how you get me in. You can give me the smallest apartment in heaven. I don't need any, any jewels in my crown. Just, just get me in. And I'm sure that, that all of us would be satisfied with that. But, but, but Jesus gives us more always than we ask for. That might be in bad English. I don't know. But, but Jesus always gives us more than we ask for in a good way. Jesus, remember me. Amen. It's done. But wait a second. I'm not done telling you what I'm going to give you and what I'm going to do for you. 
he said to him, you will be with me, and Jesus uses this word, paradisos. You will be with me in paradise. He doesn't use the word heaven. He doesn't say, you will be with me in heaven. He could have used that word. He doesn't say, you will be with me in my kingdom, because the, the criminal said, remember me in your kingdom. He could have used that word. He uses a word that is only used one time in all four gospels, paradisos. And he uses it in this moment, in this setting. Jesus specifically says paradise. And, and when we're so familiar with the text or when we're arguing about the text, how it proves this doctrine and that doctrine, we miss this. Let me give you the context. When a Persian king wished to show special favor and honor and value upon one of his subjects, he would invite him to be a companion with him in paradisos, which was basically a walled garden that was reserved only for the elite of the elite. And they would take these companions, these subjects, and they would allow them to walk through the garden with the king. Jesus says, I save you, and not only do I save you, I want you to know you're of special value to me. You will walk beside me through the garden. Paradesos. Let me, give you, let, me, let me explain it to you in this way, as I heard one preacher share it one time. It is like this. It is like a 16-year-old boy, let's just say, because I'm a young man. It's like a 16-year-old boy coming home and saying to his parents, Mom and Dad, I have to tell you, I flunked Algebra 1. And then, the next words that come out of the young man's mouth, can we go get me my first car? That's what's happening here. We, Jesus, I am a sinner. I'm on the cross. I deserve to be here. I am a doer of evil things. I am an evil worker. Oh, by the way, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus says, amen. Mom and dad, I just flunked algebra one. Do you think we could go get my first car right now? But, but wait, it gets, it gets better because if a parent went at that moment and bought their kid that first car, some of us would say, well, that seems ridiculous. You know, you should at least put some time between it so they understand the significance of their heir. But not only does Jesus go out and buy the first car for the criminal. He doesn't buy him a pinto. Do people still know what pintos are? He buys him a Tesla. He buys him the best car he can get. Paradesos. I save you. I get you the car and I get you the best I can get to show you you are of such special honor. The criminal is saved not by works, not by his purity, not by his piety. The criminal is saved simply because in, in a moment of realization, in the, in the hour of his deepest crisis, he knew that Jesus was the only way. He didn't care about being removed from the cross. He didn't say, Jesus, take me out of this situation. He said, Jesus, when we get through this situation, save me. Save me. He wanted one thing. 
Jesus. I want to invite everyone right now to watching to understand this. In these trying times that we are living, and brothers and sisters, the Bible tells us that as the world goes along, things are only going to become more and more challenging and difficult. We'll have stages that seem okay. We'll come through this COVID-19 virus, but there will be the next thing. The overall trend of our world is bending towards greater and greater distress. And whatever challenges you are in right now, COVID-19, quarantine, cancer, a lost job, fear of the economic situation you face, whatever sins you have committed in your life, whether it be lying or stealing or gossiping or sexual immorality or addiction or greed, whatever evil worker you are, in this crisis, the only place to find peace, the only place to find joy and hope is in Jesus by simply saying, Jesus, remember me. And the voice that comes back will be, Amen. And oh, by the way, let me make it better than that. You're going to walk with me in paradisos. In this crisis, I pray that Jesus will use this time to help us to get to the place in our lives where Jesus is primary and we realize that Jesus is what we need most of all. I pray that we, like that criminal on the cross, as he bared his cross, that, he's, that we too will one day say, Jesus, save me. And that we will hear the melodious, the passionate, the loving, powerful words of Jesus come back to us. Amen. It's done. That simple. Jesus, we thank you for salvation. We thank you even though we are evil workers, even though we are even the first criminal who prays without the right focus, Lord, I thank you that you are still willing to hear our pleas. And I pray, Lord, that the plea of each one of our hearts, above everything else, yes, we want protection in this crisis, Yes, we want physical healing. Yes, we want our economy to be protected. Yes, we want our loved ones to be protected. But Jesus, above all, may we pray, Jesus, save me through this. And Jesus, we will trust your promise that everything is amen and amen in Christ Jesus.